0: Quiet. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good day? All right. That shouldn't be a question. Good day. Be a statement. Amen. All right. Well, we uh, we are Romans chapter 11 this morning. We'll be there in just a minute, but I want to remind you of a few things. One, we have our children's Vacation Bible School, Camp Rock, we call it. And the theme this year, Trurassic Park. And uh, we're going to have some fun with some dinosaurs and things. There may be some dinosaur sightings even. And uh, we're going to decorate and the whole thing. And so uh, uh, Brent and the rest of the children's ministry team are looking for help, volunteers set up or work the week. There's all kinds of things you could help with between decorations, building stuff, cutting fruit. Uh, taking a team of kids around, helping with crafts, there's all kinds of stuff. So if you're at all interested or led that direction, uh see Brent and talk to him about it and, and uh, get the information and then uh make sure kids know. Families with kids and uh and let's get let's get the place packed out. Uh we got ushers coming down the aisles with uh Bibles and outlines if you want or didn't get them yet. Pens if you want to take notes and the whole thing. Uh and so we'll uh Get their attention. If you have something you'd like us to pray for as a church, we have prayer request cards and you could uh, ask them. They'll give you that and then our staff and prayer team can pray for you. And I uh, want to give you a little update on Bre- uh, Bryce Mackin. Uh, he is uh, off to Russia and done his full uh, set of preliminary tests and everything came back the way it's supposed to. He's been admitted to the program, which means now he starts getting the chemo and things like that. They're pulling stem cells and the whole deal. So uh, that was that was great news uh, that we got. I think it was Friday, and uh, so continue to pray for him because he's now he's got another twenty something days there before he comes home, and um, we're just praying for Stacy and the girls, and uh, and for him and and uh, all the transition and healing. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for uh, your church, your day. Um, really, it's all yours. Uh, In fact, Lord, uh, may we be reminded this morning that it's all yours. I'm pretty sure, Lord, you're going to remind us with the very last verse. And so, uh, Father, may our time honor you, teach us something new, inspire us, encourage us, maybe convict us a little, uh, don't hurt us, but uh, put us in the place you want us to be, uh, that we might be ready to go out and be what you've called us. And so, Father, we ask that you bless this time. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, Amen is what they said. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 1, and uh, let's, let's get into Paul's little discussion. We're kind of hitting it midstream. We're over halfway through the book, uh, and he's, he's having this discussion uh, about the difference between what was the old system... Uh, Jewish and Israel and the law and you know, commandments and all that kind of stuff, sacrifice and the temple and the whole deal. Uh, but, you know, Jesus came, uh, died on the cross, resurrected, ascended to heaven. The veil was torn, lightning, and every, the whole game changed. And he says, now what's the new system? As in comparing and contrasting and trying to really make the argument that uh, Israel's not lost, but they're not right either. Uh, there, there's a chance for them, but they're missing some information because it's all about who Christ is and what he did on the cross. And so he's kind of making that argument, uh, and it, it's kind of glim for, for the law and some of those th- old, old stuff that's kind of passed. Uh, and so now he's going to ask, uh, he's going to ask, verse 1, has God rejected his people? Which well, a great question. Uh, Paul, being a Jew himself, uh, really one of the more prominent ones of all time, He's saying, well, wait a minute, did God break the covenant? Hey, Abraham, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, I'm, we're going to make you a great nation, I'm going to bless you, and then you're going to bless all other nations, your descendants will be outnumbered the sand of the sea, the stars of the sky, I mean, the great promise, more than a promise, covenant, did God break it? Absolutely not, there's there's more coming, and I think this is one of the best chapters in the whole Bible, for explaining the process and maybe the reasoning God had in how He did first Testament and then New Testament, uh, Israel and then God's new covenant with His chosen people, those that follow Christ, uh, great little working out of the logic. And so, if you if you if you bend a little more towards science than the arts, this one's going to. This one's really going to make sense to you. If you bend a little more to the arts than the sciences, you, you got some great inspiration for some pictures out of this. Okay, So I asked then, has God rejected his people? Verse 1, by no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he, what? Foreknew. It's a little subtle theme where you're not going to see it too much but there's this background that we've got to keep in our setting that God had a plan and he's worked that plan to perfection it's a brilliant plan but he knew that plan beforehand and he set some things in uh in place and actually there's i mean there's some there's at least one scary concept that's going to come out of this chapter right and and we'll you'll we'll get that towards the end uh, but even the scary he foreknew. That's great. I need a God who's in charge of the scary. I, I mean, I, scary can't surprise God for me. And that no. God's not worth it then. If He's surprised by scary, I'm moving on, right? I'll go invest more in soccer and the Raiders. I won't get much return, but right. A God that has is surprised by scary is less valuable than the Raiders. Uh, Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? You know that Israel appealed to God against, or or Elijah appealed to God against Israel? What's he say? Lord, they have killed your prophets. True or not true? True. True. Okay, good. Uh, They have demolished your altars. True or not true? True. Okay. Uh, And I alone am left and they seek my life. They've killed and destroyed everything. I'm the only one left, and they want to get rid of the last one, which is, by the way, true. If that's all true, don't they deserve whatever they get? Absolutely. Watch what God says about what they should get, what he wants them to get. But what uh, what is God's reply, verse 4, to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. He says, yes, true, true, and true. But I have kept for myself some. Not everybody bow to other gods. Not everybody uh, bows to other pursuits. Uh, not everybody puts priorities over me. And I keep those people. We, do we have a keep kind of God? Verse 5, so too at the present time there is a remnant. That's a great word in Scripture. It's not really used anywhere else. Uh, I mean, you can try using it somewhere else. People will look at you funny. But it, it gives this great idea that God is keeping and holding on a little bit of holder-ons. Reserves. Great word. Thanks, Jim. Uh And and what do we know about the reserves who He's kept? They are chosen, decided about ahead of time, by grace as a gift. Does that sound like Christianity? We're talking about Israel here. Law, sacrifice, priest, the whole thing. If you either cut it or you don't, if you don't make the sacrifice, you're unclean, you're out. That's it. And yet here, Paul uses Christian language in reference to Israel, chosen by grace. Wait, I thought that was a Jesus thing, right? Can we do anything to earn our salvation? No, we can't. We've learned that in the early chapters of this book. How do we get grace? It's a free gift of God, not a result of works that no one should boast. That's that's Christian language. Paul, why are you using Christian language on Israel? kind of fun let's find out why verse 6 but if it is by grace it is no longer on the basis of works in reference to israel otherwise grace would no longer be grace what then israel failed to obtain what it was seeking the elect obtained it but the rest were what hardened what's that feel like the rest were hardened? They were hardened? They didn't, they didn't harden themselves. They were hardened by someone else? Who did that? Mm. You like that? Yeah. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Now that's a bummer Sunday sentence. <laughs> Eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this very day. God, God gave them those gifts? Those, that doesn't sound gracious, is, is it? It is. Watch how Paul explains it. David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs for how long? Yeah, not David, not nice. (laughs) So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Like when when you stumble, the result is, no, I caught myself. Right, I was here. I said, "Hey, when you stumble," and I went like this. All right, did I fall? No, no I stayed on my feet. Is stumble always is is stumble always uh, followed by falling? No, and Paul wants you to understand that simple concept when it comes to theology of Israel. Watch what he because he says, "By no means, rather their stumble came for another reason." their trespass uh, that through their trespass salvation has come to the gentiles why did they stumble why did israel turn away why did israel go to the worship the baals tear down the high places the bible would say desecrated the high places why would it turn like that So that God could do another thing and say, hey, let me teach you a lesson. In fact, I'm going to make you jealous of nations that weren't nations. People that were not my people will now be my people, right? Now that's how Gentiles got salvation. God said, let me teach you a lesson from your stumbling. I'm not going to make you fall, but I'm going to draw something out of your stumbling. I'm going to draw other people to myself. Prior to Jesus even, by the way. Uh, But definitely through Jesus, it's a major example. So as to make Israel jealous. Wait, God's having favor on them? They're What? We're the chosen people. Covenant is with us. It gets their attention, draws their jealousy. And now God's uh, eh, playing a game with them? Hmm. Working out a plan, let's say that, right? Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, which is riches for us, amen, And if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their what? Full inclusion mean. Wait, they stumbled, God. They had their chance. First Testament, uh, the law, the, the command, it failed. They're out, that's it. Three strikes? No. What's Paul implying? He's implying that eventually... Israel will experience full inclusion. That's kind of cool. I really, really like that. Because I'm Israel? No. Because no matter how bad I mess it up, I still have a shot at full inclusion. Because they messed it up as bad as they could. right? Killed every prophet, never listened to a one, the whole thing. That means I've got a shot. Uh, And we love that for Israel, don't we? We love that for people that are different than us. We're supposed to. That's the heart conditioning that we're supposed to be getting Reference to the last, last chapter. Verse 13. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus make them bitter, exclude them more, alienate them prove them wrong no to save some of them i love how paul is always coming back to salvation we're talking about israel and he's dying in jesus just love that he is uh mark Heitzman of the past right his answer is always jesus i love that uh Verse 15, for if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Now, why did Israel stumble? Because God foreknew it. God planned it in order to set a lesson and save the rest of the world, set an example. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, And he's going to bring life from the dead. Another thematic reference to Jesus. Uh, Verse 16 If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. What's he saying? We're saying you got grafted into a, an original tree. You were taken from the tree that was eventually going to die or be burned up or whatever, and you got grafted into the life-giving tree. Verse eighteen or uh, verse nineteen. Then, or excuse me, you yeah, know eighteen. Do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you rem- are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. All right, this is Israel. They did not believe and that's why they were broken off. But you stand fast through faith. Amen. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, Israel, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Interesting little combo there. Note the kindness and the severity of God. Note the full spectrum spectrum of God. What did we say, uh, what did we sing this morning? My soul devotion is to worship you. Wors- how about worship the whole? Severity, right, and kindness. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, Israel will be grafted in. Wait, you broke off the branches to graft someone else in, but now you're going to graft back in the original branches that you broke off in the first place? That doesn't make sense. Well, if you're strictly speaking trees, no, it doesn't. But if you're speaking in terms of how do I save everyone and get everyone's attention, it's actually brilliant. For God has the power to graft them in again. That is a great, great statement. I know it's analogous and it's about trees and abuse grafting, but take the analogy out. What does God have the power to do restore back to whatever you think is normal absolutely love that for if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree how much more will these the natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree is that really a question that's a statement. this is what God's going to do. He's going to restore Israel. lest you be wise in your own sight. I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Wow, does it does it did it sink in? Did it just hit you? Why has Israel struggled? To get our attention. So God could get our attention and draw us in. Now, they've had a partial hardening held at a distance for a little bit. But is God going to let them back in, draw them back in too? Absolutely. Verse 26. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Amen? As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Uh, Jacob was Israel's first name, by the way, the actual character. Uh, third in the line, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God, so we're going to change his name to wrestles with God, Israel. Wrestles with God, right? Uh, we're going to take away ungodliness from him. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Oh, Paul just went Jesus on Israel again. Because for Israel, how do you get rid of sins? Sacrifice, temple, priest. What does Paul say about Israel's sins? How are they going to be taken away when when God takes away their sins? Paul doesn't actually say that. He just quotes it in saying it. He's quoting, right? As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake. Great news. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, which is great news. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Some great truth right there in that sentence. The calling, the gifts, they're irrevocable, they cannot be taken away. Some of you need to remember that one. That's a big one. Uh, Thought it was big enough, I put it at the top of your outline. Right? Verse 29. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Uh, They're they're ignorable. You can ignore them, Uh, you can put them off, you can run from them. But eventually, God gets what he wants. Right? God gets to do whatever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants whenever he wants for as long as he wants. I'm sorry, that's a little phrase I used to use on my student ministry kids all the time, right? Cuz they needed simple phrases to understand, not like you you like the more complicated stuff, right? But it works for me, it helps me understand. He gave you gifts. They're not going anywhere. He's put a calling on your life. And, and you know that that starts with Jesus, but it goes well beyond it extends beyond just your calling to salvation. Explore your calling. How fun is that? It'll never go away. That's, that's that, that could be fun, folks. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have, what? You have received mercy. Please look at the top of your outline, Romans chapter 11, ESV, the Standard Version, and what does it say? Receiving mercy. So I kind of baited and switched on you, a little trick to you. How do you receive mercy? You don't. It's gifted to you, right? Receiving mercy is done how? Well, God does it to you. No, he somehow says, uh, even when you were disobedient, he still does it to you. How cool is that? I'm going to graft you in even when you don't deserve it. Let's keep going, Jim. Because of their disobedience. Even when you were disobedient, you received mercy because of their disobedience. Now we kind of understand Israel a little bit better. They were disobedient to give you a shot, even in your disobedience of your own, to receive mercy. That's a, that's a really cool equation. Because now you're not earning it. And now it makes sense. Rather than God turned his back on Israel, no, he didn't. He was just working a plan. Took it, it was like a windy road. Right? You ever been on a windy road and thought to yourself, why isn't this straight? Can we just go straight there? I took geometry. I know that's, for some of you that's like, oh well, no way, he couldn't have, right? No, I took I, what I learned in geometry. The shortest distance between two points, straight you took the class too. You ever thought that when you're driving a windy road? I thought that this week. You ever thought that theologically? God, where's my straight road from where I'm at to where I'm, and he says, oh no, we're doing curves. We like curves. Speeding up, slowing down, huh? 20 miles an hour, caution, yellow. Scenery, take your time, fresh air. We're going to do some stuff along the way. To ends justify the means, we're going to enjoy the means along the way. There's learning curve. You just want to get there, and then you'd get there, and you wouldn't be prepared for there. You'd be there and unable, unready. That's receiving mercy. Uh, So they, too, have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. Isn't that funny? Israel's been teaching us the lesson most of us all our life you realize that we were brought around to help teach them a lesson too? We learn from each other. Oh, it's community and harmony. Fellowship. Verse 32, for God has consigned all to disobedience. Happy Sunday. God has consigned all to disobedience. I could not put that at the top of your mouth. I just couldn't do it. I thought it would be, I mean, I like funny. Have have you figured this out? I like funny. I like irony, the whole thing. That my church has to be that way, or I can't go there. But that's not funny. Not even for a minute. God has consigned all to disobedience. Folks, how does that feel? that feels like I'm on a windy road and I just want to be at my destination and you're making me go through this and now I'm stuck behind this slow white van with one window taped over I know you've been there why would he do that that he may have mercy on say it on all we go through stuff for a process that leads to the salvation of all. Israel went through stuff in order to draw all in. What a great plan. Verse 33. That's heavy, right? Verse 32 is heavy. Consigned everyone to disobedience. Why? So that he could save all. Ah, oh, the weight of that. That's, that hurts a little bit, God. That hurts a little bit, Jesus. That hurts a little bit, Paul. Why are you even reminding me of that, Right? And watch how Paul responds. What does he say right after that? Because this this is it could feel like an abrupt about face change, and I want you to see it as in step, right in line. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Do those feel totally different, or do you see the synchronicity? They're parallel. God God drew everybody into disobedience. Why? So he could show mercy to all and save all. And how brilliant was that, Paul says. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. He breaks, he says, hey, God consigned all to disobedience. Let's worship, let's sing. (laughs) He almost breaks into song right? I, you could have sang that song this morning, my soul devotion. That's what he's doing right there. For who has, verse 34, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Anyone? Does the answer to that question? None. Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? None. He's far better than us, isn't he? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Is it Bummer Sunday? Not at all. It's not. It's brilliant Sunday. Because in some ways, you understand the darkness a little better now. I think, I hope. Why did Israel go through what it went through? So that we could see the example and experience grace and understand the value of Christ. It, it drew us in. Why do you go through difficult? Why do you go through darkness? Why do you hit windy roads? Right? Slowed down by the white van with the taped over window. Why? It's got a plan. Slow you down, whatever it is. It wants to draw you in, draw others in. You know, if we're cruising down the road, you know, we drove out to Arkansas. I told you about this, right? There's sections of the freeway between here and Arkansas where you can drive 75 legally. I, I thought there must be a God because I'm experiencing heaven right now. I'm driving 75 and no one can give me a ticket. It was awesome. But you, when you're moving down the freeway in a straight line like that, that fast, what do you miss? Yeah, everything. My wife was driving for a little while. We're going by. There's these huge rolled hay bales and they're all stacked up. It was like, I feel like I'm looking at a screensaver Wait, I am. Get the camera. Oh, missed it. <laughs> Darn. Put the phone away and then come by. Windmills. Another screensaver. Missed it. We're going down the freeway that fast. You miss people. You miss opportunities. <laughs> we, drove, we drove by this one farm field and I swear it was like one of those pictures that somebody sends you on the internet of something goofy in the south. Out in the middle of the, of the field is this truck beaten up. It looks like it's seen its, it's more than its fair share of work. There's a guy standing in the back of the truck, cowboy. He's got his jeans on, his boots, the whole thing. He's got his cowboy hat on. No shirt. Standing next to the truck, like he's standing in the bed of this empty truck. Next to the truck is this girl just kind of standing there, standing there talking to him. Standing in the middle of the field of nowhere. It was the weirdest thing. Ah, oh, missed it. When we're going through life too fast. We we miss some of the mercy. Not not just what we could receive, but what we could bestow, exemplify to others. I was I was reading through this week, and I, Beverly pointed this out before service. It, it's hard to know what to call this whole chapter. But I was looking at some of the things that it says about God and what he does and what he has the power to, you know, and God still has the power to graft them in again. Oh, what does that tell us about God? So Romans chapter 11. Welcome, I'm gonna tell you three things this chapter tells you about God and then I wanna tell you three things it tells you about you and me, all right? First one, here we go. First things it tells us about God. What we learn about him is God works to keep people Verse 4, I have kept for myself, right? Remember, you said that? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal, and and there will be a remnant, right? Uh, We've got to keep people kind of God. Folks, you gotta know that. You gotta believe that. It's gotta become part of your vocabulary. It's gotta come become part of your inner dialogue. Because most of the world out there that have yet to know Christ, they're pre Christians, not non Christians, they're pre Christians. They believe that God and the Bible and the church and all that is about don't do this, don't do that, judgment, point the finger. We're we, we don't look good. And we gotta send the message. God wants to keep people. How many people? All of them. Even when it looks like he's broken covenant with you, has he? No. No. Never. In fact, verse 27, I love what it says. Verse 27 is actually a reference to Isaiah 27, verse 9. And it says, when I take away their sins. Speaking of Israel. That's Isaiah. Isaiah. That's, that's prophecy prior to human Jesus. And it's Isaiah saying, here's the kind of God we have. We have a God who takes away the sins. Yeah, I know we're doing uh, sacrifices in the temple and the whole thing, but our God really is going to be the one who takes away the sins. It's a precursor of how he works and makes Jesus make more sense when he does show up on the scene and takes away the sins of the world. What's that tell us about our God? What, what confidence does that give you in your God that you could keep continue to come on Sundays and worship and have confidence that He would what keep you and keep those around you, especially the ones you're not sure about. Those are the ones that really you have to change your thinking about. You, are you like me at all? You have people that you you have questions like deep, heavy questions. I'm I'm really not sure about them, right? Refer to them in the third person, usually in a pronoun. They are, I don't know, I don't know, I'm worried about that. Hey, guess what? We got to keep kind of God. He's a people keeper. Start thinking about it that way, talking about it that way. In fact, we, next time you're in a conversation with somebody who doesn't believe in Christ yet, he says, Well, what do you believe about?" Oh, he's a people keeper. Just throw it out there. They've never heard that phrase before. It's not born again or any that they've heard 50 times. Throw them a curveball, right? They'll strike out a few times and they'll ask you what you're pitching, right? That's what we need. We need to get that message across. God works to keep people, amen? Number two, God may give a, ready? Partial hardening. God may give a partial hardening, right? Verse 25 says that, that God gave Israel a partial hardening that's a rough concept they were disobedient god said okay let's learn it the hard way i was working at a church and uh this was a a while ago and and i went out to lunch with the executive pastor i was having a hard time with some stuff going on at the church and i asked the executive pastor can we go out to lunch i just want to talk to you so we're driving to lunch (laughs) I, i laughed because he laughed at me when i said this i said do you, do you think people learn stuff better the hard way? And he started laughing at me. He was like, I think that's the only way people learn things. <laughs> it's like, oh. Okay, good. Now we can enjoy lunch because now I got nothing left to talk about. <laughs> right? Some, sometimes we have to have the hard way. We need the shade. We need the difficulty. Um, we need the pain. I mean it's it's Captain Kirk. I need my pain. Right? There's your old reference. But have have you come to peace with the idea that God may cause difficulty in your life to get your attention? Here's here's the one I have trouble with. This is the one I don't like. He already has my attention. And he creates a partial hardening anyways to get someone else's attention. Wait a minute, God. You're gonna use me to get their attention, but I have to go through the difficulty when I'm already paying attention to you? Yeah, you figured it out, Berglund. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. Come on in. Light refreshments on the right. I don't like that. I just want the light refreshments. 7 through 10, four verses. It's a good little section there. It's a really a quote from Isaiah 29. It said, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Kind of laughed about that as we were reading through earlier, but they're not funny. God will make you miss things. He will darken your eyes. He will close up your ears at times so that you miss things, so that you go through stuff for a while, for a time But have no fear, we have a keep people kind of God and he will draw you back in and he has the ability to graft you in again. How cool is that? It's very cool because now now you know what it is? Now you're just on a ride. It's just a windy road. You're gonna get there, yeah, but it doesn't feel like, no, 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 you'll get there. It'll take you 17 hours, but you'll get there. If you can remember that, then it's just a partial hardening. We had a a phrase several months ago, right? Does anybody remember it? Sometimes you will have a light and momentary affliction, right? We love Paul for that stuff that he comes up with, right? But partial hardening happens and you just gotta make it through. Trust that you have a God who's doing that on purpose for a good end and that his desire is to keep you and to keep them, right? Thirdly, God wants Full inclusion for all. He made that abundantly clear. I gave you just six of the references. I know there's only five verses here. Yeah, but verse 15 has two, right? Verse 12, it says their full inclusion. Verse 15, it says reconciliation of the world. And it says their acceptance. Verse 25, one of my favorite phrases from this chapter, the fullness of the Gentiles. What does that mean? Boy, he doesn't explain that at all, but I want to know. What is the fullness of the Gentiles? Sound like God has plans for us? Full plans, that's that's pretty cool. I don't don't think I even need to know the full definition of it. I just know that he has a plan and I'll take the windy road and we'll get there when we get there. Verse 29, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That implies full inclusion. And then verse 32, uh, that he may have mercy on all. Why is that important? Because if I'm going to go through partial hardening and he's going to keep me, I want to be worth keeping at the end. If he runs me through the gamut and I'm beat to heck and tattered and bruised and broken and torn and suffering and unhappy and I went through my partial hardening, but you know, hey, Scott, we're going to keep you. You're a mess, but we're going to keep you. How great is that? That's sarcasm, folks. How great is that? But even keeping me through my partial hardening, he brings me to the end and he says, No, 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 we're keeping you in full inclusion. Restored, reconciled, accepted. What condition does that impl- imply I will be in at the end? Good condition? Great condition? Excellent condition? I'm looking for a word here. It starts with P perfect condition right that's a mom and a grandma for you right there she knows that's the kind of god we have amen now we're receiving mercy Well, what is it what do we learn about uh you and i one beware bowing to baal baal was any other god other than god himself and they kind of israel referred to the gods of the amorites and the philistines and they were all considered baal right I think one of them was technically called that, but in Bible reference, it's regularly referred to anything other than God that's secular in that area. Anything put before God, that's a false God. Israel got in trouble because so many of them bowed to other things. Don't bow to any other thing. My sole devotion is to worship you. If you bow to something else, right? When you're a 17-year-old guy, it's a car, right? It might be a girl. Whatever you bow to at any stage of your life, your status, your job, how much you got in the bank account, how many friends you got, whatever, influence, whatever you bow to, you'll get it. See, we don't really have balls in the form they had them. We we don't have altars of other kinds. We don't have, not really too many around here. It's really not a temptation. I think the issue we go through in our current culture is we bow to concepts, we bow to selfish pursuits. Our passions are what lead us astray. Really, ultimately, what we're bowing to is the altar of self. And that's what you really get yourself in trouble with. Being comfortable being healthy. Some of those things could actually be altars that you're pursuing as if they were the end. They're not. Verse four says, that men who have not bowed the knee to other. He says, Baal, I injected other. My sole devotion is to not bow to anything else. That's the longer version of to worship you what we sing? Great song selection, by the way, House. It means prioritize everything below God. Beware bowing to other gods it means put no priority over God. Oh wait, doesn't that sound like one of the first commandments? Hmm. Secondly, continue in his kindness. This was so simple and it kind of snuck in there and snuck out and we breezed over it. He, He said, no, God has kindness and you need to continue in his kindness. It says another thing about don't become arrogant or watch your pride. It's this idea of being a beware of pride and arrogance from verse 22. Continue in his kindness. If we have this God that these first three things are true about and we don't bow to other things, then what's my first step? Well, What's something kind you could do? Is it a little bit weird that the pursuit of God can start with something so simple and mundane as just like being kind? How? Is that weird a little bit? I was I was sitting in the back. I was reading these words as we're all worshiping and, and bands leading and i'm i'm reading through it and i'm thinking to myself worship my soul devotions to worship my soul devotion is to worship ah oh, what is that that's like i wonder if worship when it extends beyond singing worship is when it, it be extends beyond singing Maybe it starts with singing, or if you want to get all theological, it starts with God and then it changes our heart, and then we go to singing. So singing isn't first, but whatever. Rock Bible Church, where worship extends beyond singing. This kind of was spinning my head a little bit. What does that mean? What does is, what is worship extending beyond singing mean? like when you're kind in what you say to the checkout person. We just kind when you speak to your spouse when Paul makes a big deal. He says continue in his kindness. What was his kindness that you received mercy? Why did you receive mercy? Because he extended you grace. Everyday living outside those doors. How about inside those doors? Because sometimes it's ugliest within the church. You extend grace. You extend mercy. You continue in kindness. And then hold on during the windy road. See what happens. Where does it take you? That that might be the hardest one of the six. Continue in his kindness, right? Lastly, receive his mercy, his gifts, and calling. Love what it says. Talk the outline, the little verse I gave you there. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And then right after that, I skipped down like seven verses to 36. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. God, what's what's the mercy you want me to receive? You taught Israel a lesson so that you could teach us a lesson and I'm walking my path and what are my gifts, God? What are my, what's my calling? How, how, do I, how do I just keep walking in that? This, this is the part I love about Christianity and being a pastor. I have zero answers for you. Zero my own path is hard enough for me. Still figuring it out. I've given up on trying to do my kids' path. You know, for a while, I was like, well, I'm the dad, and I have to do it. No, 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 no. Their path is with Jesus. Amen? And he's up to the task. I'm not. I have no answers for them. I have no answers for you. What, what does it mean to receive, his, to continue in his kindness, to, his gifting for you? We can take a personality profile. We can take a spiritual gifting profile. I have no idea what it will tell you. And I don't know how accurate it will be. If it helps, great. If it doesn't, great. You still got to figure out what's first step? What's second step? How do, I, how do I move forward? Find something. Get involved. Do, do anything. Start tithing. Whatever. Many people find many ways to one Jesus. Amen? Find yours. That's what we got to do. He's worth getting to. Why? Because of of our first three things we said. He keeps people. He hardens them a little bit, and then he brings them into full inclusion. Absolutely love it. You got that message in your heart, in your mind. Who else is hearing it from you? Right. And who are you bringing here to sit in here and hear it from me? I need to hear it from you first. But who could you bring here to hear that? I'm seeing too many black seats. I love them. They're great seats. We've got to fill them. The whole purpose of what he did with Israel was to get other people's attention and draw them in. The whole purpose of what he does with us is to get other people's attention and draw them in. First, namely Israel. Second, Bob down the street. Fred, Samantha, whatever. Get them here. I'll do my best, I promise. You must think it's okay here, because you keep showing up. Amen? Amen? All right, we're gonna invite the ushers down, we're gonna pray and then uh, and take the offering. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. For so many phrases in this passage, what comes to mind now is that you have the power to graft them in again. Lord, help us to believe that everything is in you, through you, and for you. Help us to believe that. Help us to believe that you foreknew a plan, that you're working that plan. That hardening is part of the plan. But through all, you'll get us to where we need to be. Through all of it, you'll get others to where they need to be. And then, Lord, include us. Give us a uniform. Let us play, too. Show us our gifting, our calling. And as we're receiving mercy, Lord, help us to get that out. Pray, Lord, you would show us how to manifest what we sing. That our soul devotion is to worship you. And that that barely even starts with singing. It extends way beyond. Extend us, Lord. If you're here this morning, and any one of those six points is hard for you to swallow, God's got you here for a reason. so that you would know it's true. That he's trying to draw you back in. He wants you included. And yeah, you've gone through stuff, but he wants to keep you. You're worth keeping. You're worth restoring. He likes you. Man, if that's you, may God extend his blessing on you right now. And then I just pray that you'd come up. Come talk with me. Talk with anybody you see on stage. Well, let us get involved. Father, we thank you for all this. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Lord, we pray that you'd bless it that you would continue your gifts and calling within this church. And we pray, Lord, uh, for those that give and then those who are visiting, Lord, that they feel no obligation but recognize what we're doing as a family. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name.